Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. We'll be continuing in our study of servile fear versus filial fear. Let me read to you from the Word of God. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges, according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. If you go back into this text, You see, it says, conduct yourself in fear during your time of stay on earth. And last week, we talked about how many misunderstand this passage, and they they conduct themselves in a servile fear. And one such person who did that in history was Martin Luther. Martin Luther was the father of the Reformation, And before he became the father of the Reformation, he became a priest at a young age. And he did this because he was trying to find peace and happiness in life, which it didn't help him. Because Luther later wrote concerning his first Mass that he did, that he was overwhelmed with terror as he stood before the church And he held what he thought was the very body of Christ in his hands. And it says this, that the feeling of terror became frequently, increasingly frequent. Because he felt unworthy of God's love and he was convinced that he was not doing enough to be saved. God seemed to him to be a severe judge, like his father and teachers at an earlier time in the final judgment who would ask for an account and find him wanting in order to be saved from the wrath of such a god one must make means of all the use of grace that the church could provide so luther did this he pursued all the means of grace that the church provided and one of those was recommended by the monastic teachers was the punishment of his body so he did that he also went to the confessional as much as possible but none of these things allayed his fear of damnation in fact it increased it so luther kept going to the confessional and there was times when he would leave the confessional with an unconfessed sin and he would He would leave and he would be in such a fit of anxiety that he knew the holy requirements of God's law and that God required perfection and it was something that he could not attain. Luther could find no peace in what the church was providing. 
Well, the leaders of him told him, well, forget all of that. Just love God. That's all you got to do. Just love God. So he tried that. And it says this in one book. It says, but he soon discovered that loving God was no easy matter. If God was like his father and his teachers before him who had beaten him to the point of blood, how could he love such a God? Eventually, Luther came to the terrifying conclusion that what he felt for God wasn't love, but it was hatred. Luther was held captive by servile fear. And that's how he found out that he hated God. What is servile fear? What is servile fear? Servile fear is when a man fears God and hates him at the same time. As a slave fears a cruel master, which he could wish were dead. Thus the wicked fear God, because they have drawn an ill picture of him in their minds. They perform only unwilling and unpleasing service, and as little as they can because of their mistaken and perverted understanding of God. But this servile fear is not just limited to unbelievers. No, Christians can serve also with servile fear because of a misunderstanding of scriptures. You know, we have a tremendous ability as human beings to compartmentalize things in our lives. You know, we can think to ourselves, I'm saved because of what Christ has done for me. I, I'm saved from future judgment. But in the same time, we can think, maybe God's angry with me today because I haven't attained a spiritual level that I know I should be. Why do we allow servile fear to control us like that? Well, one reason, I believe, is it's a misunderstanding of the true gospel. What is the true gospel? Number one, we lost it all. You hear that? We lost it all. Perfection and goodness. We have none. Two, he did it all. He did it all. He kept the law perfectly. He paid the price for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And thirdly, we get it all. We get it all. We don't get some. We don't just get part. We get it all. That's the gospel. But many times, we can say, I believe that. But deep down inside, we sometimes still wonder, does God really love me? And we can even go by our feelings. You know, sometimes we wake up in the morning and we don't feel like a Christian, right? Do I get an amen to that? Yeah. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like a Christian. Other times, it's by the circumstances of our lives. We can, be, we can have so many bad things going on in our lives that we wonder, why would God allow me to be so sick all the time? Or why would God allow all these problems in my family? If God loves me, why is this all happening to me? Right? 
Does he really see me as totally righteous? Or is he still mad at me? And you know when we think like that, we're thinking of a distorted gospel. And here's the distorted gospel. It says this, we lost a lot. We lost a lot, but we still have some goodness. That's not true. Secondly, he did a lot, but we still have to do some. Third, we get a lot, but we still have to perform to keep him loving us. You see, servile fear may haunt us our entire Christian life. One writer says this, we can spend many years trying to hide from the fact that hidden within our own lives is a spirit of servile fear which may never, we may never have been fully delivered. We must learn that the only means of deliverance lies in our growth in filial fear. It takes filial fear to destroy servile fear. And that's what 1 John 4.18 says. It says, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. So what is filial fear? And we talked about this last week. It is the indefinable mixture of reverence and pleasure and joy and awe which fills our hearts when we realize who God is and what he's done for us. It is love for God which is so great that we would be ashamed to do anything, to do anything that would displease or grieve him and makes us happiest when we are doing what pleases him. You know what Martin Luther said after his conversion? He said a crazy thing. He said this, If God told me to eat dung off the street, I would do it and know that it's good for me. Now, that's the craziest thing you could ever say, right? Why could Luther say something like that? Well, I believe it's this, because he had gone from servile fear to filial fear. He knew that he could trust God with everything in his life. He knew that his heavenly Father wanted what was best for him no matter what, even if he couldn't understand what was going on, like dung on the street, right? Luther had a filial fear of God, and he knew that his heavenly Father loved him and wanted what was best for him, and listen to this, what was best for him, even if he didn't feel it. Or even if the circumstances of his life were terrible. And if you know historically, after Luther became a Christian, his circumstances became pretty hard, right? Do you have a filial fear of God? Or is it a servile fear? Do you realize when the scriptures talk about a Christian and they talk about fear, it's always talking about filial fear. 
Let's, let's look at some biblical evidence. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 5.29. Deuteronomy 5.29. says this, Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. Here it's talking about a changed heart. God gives us a changed heart, then it affects us so that we fear God. Look at Jeremiah. Turn with me to the right. Turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 32, 39 through 40. It says this, And I will give them, here we go again, I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good and I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. And then in Ephesians 5.21 it says this, Be subject to the fear of Christ. And then in Proverbs 9.10 it says, The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And then in 1 John 4.18, I've already read this verse to you, it says, perfect love casts out fear. So how do we get rid of servile fear? By growing in filial fear. And how do we grow in filial fear? Well, one of the ways is to consider God's choosing of you. Go back to our text, 1 Peter 1.17. Go back to 1 Peter 1, 17. It says, If you address as father, the one who impartially judges, according to each man's work, conduct yourself in fear during your time of stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as the lamb unblemished spotless the blood of christ when were we redeemed by christ when were we redeemed was it in the incarnation or did our redemption begin even before that and i believe it did because ephesians 1 4 says this he chose us in him before the foundation of the earth Think about that. He chose you. If you're a believer here this morning, he was thinking of you before the beginning of the earth, before the creation of the universe. He was thinking about you, and in fact, he had a plan together with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were planning together your redemption. Why did he choose you? Why did he choose me? Was it something that I would do? What was, it, was it something that you would do one day? Was he looking forward to your faith and saying, okay, that person's going to have faith, so now I'll choose them because they're going to have faith? No. Guess what? You would have never come to faith in Christ unless Christ changed your heart. He's the first one to move. 
He's the first one to change your heart. Then you respond by faith and repentance. It's all of grace. Romans 9, 10 through 13 talks about Jacob, and it says Jacob was chosen by grace. Jacob wasn't even born yet. He hadn't done anything good or evil, and God chose him by grace. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. God chose you by his grace. We did nothing to deserve it and never will do anything to deserve it. We were headed to hell and God pulled us off that slippery slope. What does this lead us to do? It leads us to worship God. It leads us to grow in filial fear. Well, another thing that leads us to grow in filial fear is when we consider his providential care for us. And I remember a couple weeks ago, I told you about Luke chapter 8, verses 20 through 2 through 25. And it's the story of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee in a boat. Remember this? And I said, that is the perfect picture of peace. When you're on a boat and you're on a storm at sea and to see Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep on a pillow. That's amazing. That's amazing. I was watching a movie last night. I watched about 10 minutes because I had to go to bed because I'm preaching. Um, but it, it's The Life of Pi. Anybody seen that movie? Pretty, I saw about 20 minutes of it, right? But the one scene... He's on a ship, his whole family's on this ship, pretty big ship, and they're in a storm at sea, and that, that ship goes down. And he gets into a lifeboat, and, and I'm just watching that, thinking of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee with the waves crashing over the boat, you know, and they're thinking, we're going to die. And that's what he was thinking, I'm going to die, Right? And so what do they do? All the waves crashing over them. They're ready to die. And what do they do? They go back to Jesus and say, Wake up, don't you care? We're going to perish. And what does Jesus do? Hush, be still. Boom. And it goes silent. Waves go flat. I've been on storms at sea. I can't imagine that. What does that do for you when you see something like that? You grow in awe. They even said, what kind of a man is this? They knew he wasn't a man. Have you ever seen God's providential care for you? Have you ever seen it? I know I have. Many times in my life I have. In fact, one time, I wasn't even a Christian yet. I was, a, I was in the Air Force. I went to dinner with a friend in Miami. We were in Homestead, drove about 30 miles um, on the turnpike. And I remember, I remember ordering dinner, and, and the waitress came up and said, Do you want a cocktail? And my friend, who 
uh, dress them up and can't take them anywhere, right? He said, yeah, I'll have a shrimp cocktail. I just kind of put my head down, you know. Um, but after we had our cocktails and, and we ate dinner and all that, we drove back home, right? And we're on the turnpike late at night, and I fall asleep. It's not good because I was driving. My friend falls asleep. We're both asleep. We're going off the road. We're headed towards an embankment going 70 miles an hour. Here's the, here's the amazing part. My friend wakes up, screams. I wake up, pull the car back on the road. I look over at my friend, and he's asleep. You know, to this day, that's God's providential care of both of us. And to this day, I know either God nudged him or an angel nudged him and woke him up. And it reminds me of a song, Amy Grant's song. Um, and you know, Amy Grant's not known for her theology, but um, this is a pretty good song. It says, God only knows the times my life was threatened just today. A reckless car ran out of gas before it ran my way. Near misses all around me, accidents unknown. Though I never see with human eyes the hands that lead me home. God, I know, they're all around me, all day and through the night. And when the enemy is closing in, I know sometimes they fight to keep my feet from falling. I'll never turn away. If you're asking what's protecting me, you're going to hear them say, you've got your angels watching over me. And you know what? When you see God providentially care for you like that, it leads you to filial worship. It leads you to worship our God. Well, the third thing that helps you to grow in filial fear is considering God's saving grace. And that's in this passage also. We've talked about it. But I, but I think about one thing that I didn't focus on last time is it, it talks about he saved us, he redeemed us from our futile way of life. Have you ever thought about that? You lived in futility before you were a Christian. You lived in futility. Vanity, vanity, striving after the wind. You were trying to find happiness in all many different things and couldn't find it. It reminds me when I was in high school, standing at a, at a party on the ocean with a beer in my hand, thinking there's got to be more to life than this. It was vanity, vanity, striving after the wind. He redeemed us from that futile way of life. He redeemed Martin Luther from his futile way of searching for God, trying to find him in so many ways. He redeemed the Apostle Paul, who said he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was, he was blameless according to the law. And as to zeal, he was a persecutor of the church. But he counted that all as dung, so that he could have a righteousness that was from Christ. When you consider what Christ did for you, you know, I think of Christ on the cross and he says, 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know why he was forsaken? Do you know why he was forsaken? So that we would never be forsaken again. That leads us to more growth in filial fear, but it also leads us to the fruit of filial fear. And what is the fruit of filial fear? Well, I've already said it. It's worship. One of the fruits is worship. And when we consider God choosing us, when we consider his providential care, when we consider his saving grace, it leads us to worship. And we worship him because of who he is and the grace that he has given us. Is your Christian walk focused on the worship of God? And I'm not just talking about singing on Sunday. That's not all of worship. Sorry, Jonathan. Um, that's not all of worship. Worship is every second of every day. Who are you worshiping? It's either God or yourself or an idol, which is yourself too. Who are you worshiping? Well, filial fear also removes the fear of men. It removes the fear of men. Matthew 10, 28 says this, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's a, that's a fearful verse. But that's not talking about us. It's not talking about us, is it? Because if you're a Christian, you're never going to face God's condemnation, Right? So the worst thing you have to fear in this verse, it says, do not fear those who can kill the body. What happens when somebody kills your body as a Christian? You're immediately with Christ. So that's the worst thing that can happen to you. The worst thing. Listen to what um, John Chrysostom did in the 4th century. He, he preached the gospel so boldly that he ticked off the emperor and the emperor's wife. And so the emperor Arcadius threatened him. Threatened him. And, and he said, I'm going to banish you. And John Chrysostom said this, Sire, you can't banish me, for the world is my father's house. Then the emperor said this, he said, I'll slay you then. And he said, you can't do that either. For my life is hid in Christ in God. Well then, I will confiscate all your treasures. Well, you can't do that either. Because my treasures are all in heaven, where none can break through and steal. Then I will drive you from all men. And he says, for I have a friend. You can't do that either, John said. For I have a friend in heaven who has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see what he was saying? That king could do nothing to him because everything he had was protected by God because it was all eternal. All eternal. Nothing could be taken away from him. 
Chrysostom feared God, and he didn't fear men. And thus, he grew in filial fear. Well, filial fear also responds with obedience. Hebrews 11.7 says this, By faith, Noah built an ark in holy fear. You know what? It would take the fear of God to do what Noah did. Can you imagine building a 450-foot ship in your backyard with no body of water around and no rain ever? How many times do you think Noah got mocked by his neighbors and persecuted for what he did? But he continued to do this out of fear of God and not fearing men. Finally, filial fear reaches out with evangelism. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says this, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Who does, who, who does he persuade? This is the Apostle Paul talking. He persuades men to what? To come to Christ for salvation. You know, in the first century, there was probably no greater evangelist than the apostle paul in fact in act 17 it said that with the gospel they turned the world upside down now why did paul have this zeal well second corinthians 5 11 says because of the fear of the lord because of the fear of the lord he had a filial fear of god he knew that he was the least of the apostles he knew that he was the chief of sinners he knew that he was saved by grace and he therefore wanted others to hear of that grace. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody? Or have you allowed your fears to control you? You know there's a statistic, it's an older one, it says this, the PCA has one convert for every 47 members. Did you hear that? One convert per 47 members. That's, that's pretty bad. And so if, if you're sitting there and thinking, I would love to get better at doing that giving the gospel to others. Then I have the class for you. This is a commercial break. <laughs> In two weeks, we're going to have a class on evangelism. And we're going to cover all kinds of different methods of giving the gospel, one that would fit you. So if you're thinking right now, I would love to learn how to do that better so that I can love Christ in a better way and so that I can give the grace of God to others, then come to that class. Come to that class. In closing, if you all remember the Passover, when it happened, God sent an angel and destroyed all the firstborn of the Egyptians, right? But then he saved all the firstborn of Israel because they put blood on the doorpost, right? And so I want you to picture this happening in two families. One 
with a father that has um, filial fear and one that has servile fear. And we'll start with the one that has servile fear. He puts the blood on the doorpost, but then he worries about the way he put it on the doorpost. Did, it, did he do it right? And then he wonders if he had enough faith when he did it or if, they, if he's doubting too much. And then when he eats, eats the Passover meal, he's eating it in haste and wondering if he's doing it fast enough because you, they were told to eat it quickly. And then when he goes to bed, he doesn't sleep well because he's worried about his firstborn, whether the blood will truly save his firstborn. Hebrew number two puts the blood on the door, doorpost. He then eats the Passover meal with great rejoicing and worship because God in his grace and his mercy is going to spare the child. He's already thankful for that. He knows that he doesn't deserve what he's going to get, but he deserves the exact opposite. He sleeps well knowing that God will keep his promise. And when he wakes up in the morning, he runs to greet his child. Which night reflects your fear of God? Is it Hebrew number one in his servile fear? Or is it Hebrew number two in his filial fear of God? The great Puritan preacher John Flavel said this, the carnal person fears God, not God, fears man, not God. The strong Christian fears God, not man. The weak Christian fears man too much and God too little. Which are you? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who regenerates our hearts 